Hi, this is Susan Diol, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis, and we bring you the latest in our series of interview redo specials featuring the interviews we did with the cast and crew of the new Quantum Leap throughout Season 1, most of which appeared only on our YouTube channel. We are up to Episode 6. What a disaster! Now, okay, in case you've been trapped in some quantum slipstream or something and don't know, this was the original pilot episode for the Revival series, which was scrapped for the Jewel Heist episode and then repurposed to appear later in the season, which is all a long way of saying that this is the one where Ben leaps into the middle of the 1989 San Francisco earthquake and has to save his leapy son from dying in the disaster. And that son was played by young actor Everett Andres and we were lucky enough to interview him. Everett spoke to Serenity Burge about working on the episode and his time on set with Ray. Go Rennie! Go Everett! And since we don't have any other cast interviews for this episode, it's the perfect time to go behind the scenes for our chat with director of photography Anna M. Amorti. Anna spoke to Albie and me about the creative choices behind establishing the look and visual tone of the new Quantum Leap, and even asked us what we'd like to see in the revival as it goes forward. She also talks about her career and other projects, including work on the smash hit sci-fi original series Resident Alien. That's one of my favorites. I love it. So Anna's awesome and hilarious, and she is hands down one of my favorite QLP interviews. I hope you enjoy listening to the interview as much as I enjoyed taking part in it. As always, all of this great stuff is made possible by the support of you, our listeners. With special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. If you'd like to become a producer, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon. And also on Patreon, an exclusive bonus episode where Matt, Allison, and I review the original pilot script for What a Disaster! and discuss where it varies from the repurposed version that eventually aired. Find that and a whole lot more at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. All right, now on with the show. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Serenity, and here today we have Everett Andres. Hello, Everett. Hi. It's great to be here. So, you were in the episode What a Disaster, and you played Jason Harvey. Yes. What was it like working on Quantum Leap? Yeah, it was pretty interesting because it was the very first episode filmed, even though it didn't end up being the pilot. It was the very first episode filmed in Vancouver. So I kind of got to see all the actors getting to know each other and kind of formulating their characters. And that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, everyone was super nice. Um, Raymond, Caitlin, Deborah Pratt, Helen Shavers, all the writers, they were really nice and all super excited because... I mean, I think everyone was big fans of the original show, too, so everyone was just really excited about this project, yeah. What was it like working with the cast and crew? They were all super nice. Raymond is very skilled. He's a great physical actor. 
he's he, I think he has a background in clowning he told me so that was really awesome and I think it was Caitlin's first ever um first ever job I think she was in the military before so it was really interesting to meet her and she's a great actor I heard that you are a gymnast I am yes I train 25 hours a week at Vancouver Phoenix Gymnastics I do all six events um floor, pommel horse, rings, vault, p-bars, and high bar. And I I love gymnastics. I like all sports. How did you get the part? So I did the first audition. I think it was about three scenes. And then maybe I didn't hear anything for a while. I think a couple of weeks later, I'm not sure how long it was, um, I got a Zoom call back. And I had very little prep time, and I think it was like the next day, and everyone was on the call, the writers, the director, the producers, and Helen was really encouraging, And she, but she made me work for it. It was, uh, she challenged me a little bit, but I think she really liked me, and um, at the end, the main, <laughs> main thing that she wanted me to do was to stop growing, and she told my mom to stop feeding me. That's actually um, really funny. How did you get into acting? My brother has been an actor for a long time, way before me, and I went along with him to audition sometimes, and here and there I actually booked a couple like very small things, and I really jo- enjoyed being on set, but I wasn't too much of a fan of the audition process. And then COVID hit and we started doing self-tape auditions. And that's when I told my mom I really wanted to do acting. I enjoy self-tapes a lot more than in-person auditions. I think I can bring more to the table there. And I actually started booking a lot more and bigger roles. And yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects in the future? I do. I just filmed a Christmas Hallmark movie called The Holiday Sitter. Which character did you play? My character name is Miles, and it comes out December the 11th. Hmm. What was your favorite scene to film? Um, that's a good question. I think my favorite scene was probably when I got to walk through Addison as a hologram. That was pretty interesting. It was the first time they ever did that. So I filmed it where I just walked through and she wasn't even there. And then they had her and me go around and it was a little challenging, a little tricky because it was their first time ever doing it. There was a couple of problems, but it was really fun yeah, and really interesting. And I also really liked the stunts because I got to run out of an earthquake and they had real like stuff going off and stuff falling. It was really cool. What was it like pulling the beam off of Raymond Lee? Um, so the beam was actually not heavy at all. I think it was made of foam or something. So I had to mime that I was lifting really hard. And it was actually super light. So, yeah. It's like you had to act like it was like so heavy, though it wasn't at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you part of any of the reshoots for the episode? I was not, no. What was your favorite role that you've ever done? I don't know if I can pick. I mean, I enjoy all of them. Um, maybe maybe Lost Ollie. I did uh, 
project a little while ago with Peter Ramsey, and it's out on Netflix now. And it was really cool because it was like a live action blend with um, with some animation and puppets and also live action. So that was really interesting. And obviously Quantum Leap. It was also really fun. <laughs> um, speaking of Lost Dolly, how is it... Um... How is it working with Jonathan Groff? So I didn't actually get to work with him in person, but I'm a big fan. And I watched Hamilton. I thought he was really great in that. Yeah, I love Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, me too. What was it like working with Jewel State? Yeah, she was super nice. She's a great actor. Um, I think we only had one scene together, so I didn't really get to know her all that well, but she was very nice. Um, did you have a stunt double for any of the earthquake scenes? I did have one stunt double, but he I think he was only used once because I I timed out. I couldn't work anymore. I pumpkin, so um they used him for the running down the hallway scene. Mm when we're running out of the building, but I did all the rest. Wow. What was the set like? It was incredible. It was super, super dusty. And it really felt like I was in a, um, a building that, that is, was collapsing. It was crazy how, how real it was. And it was, um, they built it in an old mental hospital in, I don't, I forget what it's called, but it was kind of, it was a bit spooky. <laughs> yeah. How was it like doing that emotional scene with Raymond? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, such deep emotional scenes are really fun to do. You have to be, you have to really get into it before though. So I had to be breathing heavy and really thinking about my character and the suffering that he's going through and what's going on with his family and everything. Yeah. How was it like working with the director? She was amazing. She's like incredibly, incredibly nice. And she's very talented and she's a bit of a Canadian icon. Do you have any stories from the... Production? I do have one thing. Um, when we were at the haunted mental hospital, um, Caitlin was a little afraid to go to the bathroom by herself. So I went with her. <laughs> so we went, we took a trip to the bathroom together because she was scared to go by herself. It's funny. What's it like being a guest star on a pilot? Yeah, so every the mood was... It was everyone was very excited. Every, everyone seemed really invested in the project, and it was just super positive energy. Everyone was in a great move and bringing bringing their all. Yeah, what was interacting with Deborah Pratt like? She was very very nice. She um she gave me lots of compliments and. Um, yeah, she she was she was just she was the best. Yeah. <laughs> what 
When you first found out that you got the role, did you know anything about the original series? I did not know. Um, I watched a couple of clips before the audition to kind of get to know it, but I hadn't watched the original series before the audition. Yeah. What is your favorite memory of just being on Quantum Leap? I think I think it was the time with people and Raymond and getting to know all the all all the characters and and all the people just everyone was very nice and had interesting lives and just overall great people everywhere. Yeah. Are you from Canada or did you have to travel to get there? No, I am from Vancouver, BC. Yeah. Wow. Are you excited to watch it when it airs? Yes, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Were you disappointed that it wasn't the original pilot and you had to wait until episode six? Maybe a little bit, but uh, but we've been watching the series as it's going, and I'm really enjoying it. So hopefully, since it's the pilot, a lot of work went into it, so it'll be a yeah. great episode. On the new series, what is your favorite episode that has come out so far? Mm, that's a tough one. They're all so great. Yeah. Um, probably... Probably the, the space one. That was really cool, yeah. how they were floating around. I wonder how they filmed that. Did you get to meet any of the actors from Project Quantum Leap? Yes, obviously. I got to meet uh, Raymond and Caitlin, and uh, Ernie popped his head in a couple of times along with um, Mason into the green room because they were doing... Um, they were doing some photos, test photos, I think. But yeah, I mainly got to know Raymond and Caitlin. Yeah. Would you say it was an overall positive experience? For sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, everything was amazing. People were amazing. Experience was amazing. And it's definitely, definitely something I'll remember. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Hallmark movie? Yeah, so it's the first gay Hallmark movie, Hallmark Christmas movie, and I play the nephew of the lead, and he, the lead takes care of me because my parents are away and um, falls in love. Hmm, wow. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. Me too. I'm definitely going to be watching What a Disaster on Monday night. So am I. <laughs> Thank you so much, Everett, for being on the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie. I'm here with Christopher today and we are here with Anna A. Marti. She is the director of photography on some of the episodes of Quantum Leap. Uh, 101, July 13th, 1985. 103, Somebody Up There Likes Ben. And 105, Salvation or Bust. So we're very uh, pleased to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for inviting me. I'm super happy to be part of this podcast in this community. 
Awesome. Uh, I've been following you on social media and seeing some of your amazing photographs, uh, mostly on uh, Instagram. And uh, I first noticed you when I saw a picture of the, um, I think it was like uh, rehearsals of somebody up there likes Ben, maybe in the boxing ring and different lighting things. Um, I want to, I want to talk to you about quantum leap, but first, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the business and how you developed your love for uh, motion photography? Yeah, like my story is really different. I didn't start very young. I went to school for engineering. I'm an electrical engineer, uh, but my whole life I danced. Um, So I was part of a big company. And through that, I got a job in a reality show. And I was the dance teacher in this very famous reality show in Colombia. So then when we were done, the network is, can you become the choreographer of this soap opera? So I started working for the network. Um, for like coaching actors and doing all these commercials and, you know, all these things. And then I started sitting next to the DP because I wanted it, you know, when you dance for an audience, it's very different than when you need to do a dance for the camera. So I started sitting next to him and kind of trying to learn how I needed to do my work in order, you know, to be successful for the camera. And then I just fell in love with lighting and then and lighting and cinematography and then a movie that came from the States um, I met the crew and then I already had like, oh, I'm going to go to school to study cinematography. And then I talked to them. It's like, why don't you go to the States? That's where the movies are made. And I didn't have anything that tied me back to my country. Like, that, you know, I was single, you know, so I just, you know, when, you know, found a school here in the States and then came here and here I am. That's awesome. Uh, I noticed uh, looking at your IMDb that you uh, kind of worked your way up. Uh, you, like you worked this late on uh, The Good Place. I saw. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about The Good Place? That's one of my favorite shows. So I wanted you to know, know what your experience was. Yeah, it's everybody's favorite show, and and it was such a beautiful environment. I started as a day player. I did came up through um, both light, especially I started in lighting, and then I transitioned into camera. But um, on The Good Place, I was a second assistant. I started like day playing because one of the main assistants was um, on, a, on a break. And then I ended up staying. That was on the first season. Um, but it was great. Everybody was nice. Ted is amazing. And uh, it was such a beautiful environment. The best scenes were like with the train, right? Because in Universal mm-hmm. Studios, they had the train. But then mm-hmm. shot a couple of scenes like up in, in Calabasas, like in uh, Thousand Oaks with the train running. I mean, it was so beautiful. That make believe, right? How you sell this. Um, you would never believe it that the train was just like a little part on the back lot of Universal. And that, you know what I mean? It's, it was really nice. And everybody was really, really um, friendly and kind. The DP was, it's, it's, he has Emmy winner. I mean, it's amazing. Very, very good environment. I did. I mean, I just stay on the first season. I didn't come back after because we all move on into different shows and i was just curious to know um you said that you started in lighting and you said before you got into the dancing and the reality tv you were an electrical engineer yes so So i have to think that that came back into play as you got to know how to work your way around a set was that helpful you know actually it's so weird but like the i think I mean, I think engineering in a way is some, I mean, yes, there's a lot of math and the electrical part of it, but an engineer is a person who solves problems, who finds solutions, right? You know, we, we're not the ones that hands on on a, on a problem. We just, you know, solve it or find the solution. So, but when I did come to Hollywood and I started working on sets, I could understand the power distribution. 
because I knew generators, I knew three phases, I knew how to balance load. So I guess when I went to school and we started learning all that, like I already knew how to do, like I need resistance and, you know, wattage and all that. Like it was easier for me to get that concept. And when I started working on the lighting side, again, I, you know, I used to be a gaffer, so I could find like if we had the balance on the loads or like if we needed to do some things on the generator, but more than that, like technically, um, no, unless now that, you know, a director of photography, you know, we're so blessed because you are the director of a vision and you have all these beautiful teams doing it for you. So it's so weird because now we get to kind of stand back a little bit on the process and just see the people do it, you know, doing it for you, which is a blessing. I watched your short film that you wrote and directed. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about that? I yes. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, that was for school. That was my thesis. And, um, yes, like I don't write and I don't direct my, but as you can see, it was very visual. It's almost all images mm -hmm. that just go with an experience that I had, you know, I, I fell in love really bad and then he left me. Right. So I use all those feelings and kind of like put it together on a film because it was the, was the best way I could express how heartbroken I was. Um, mm -hmm. and I remember that I did that with like a 70 I well, I used to work at a rental house, loading and unloading the trucks and driving the trucks. So like I changed hours of work for equipment. So they lent me the lights um, and then I cut off with work. My brother helped me a little bit. You know, you know, you go through everything, but I feel very proud. That film, I won Best Thesis mm -hmm. at school. And then I made it into the Maui Film Festival in Fort Lauderdale. Like the, the movie did really well, like on, you know some festival. So I feel very proud and it was very personal to my heart. Uh, when I was watching it, I was thinking of all the things like the, the, the making out scene was very hot and uh, the, 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 the scenes where you were uh, showing heartbreak and stuff. I really felt that. And it felt like what it is to go through that kind of thing. And then finally to release it at the end and move on. I thought that would be great if you're shooting Raymond and Caitlin, uh, if, if they're ever in that uh, environment. Is there things that you can pull from that experience and, and put into the photography of uh, like a relationship on Quantum Leap? Yes, actually, I think that with the beauty of Quantum Leap, even, you know, even though it's a remake, they want to do a very visual, um, interesting and, and, and powerful show. They want to go away from the normal network TV kind of look and they want to give us all the freedom and all the, um, the, the wings to just make it, you know, the most visual we can. We always want to enhance the emotions and tell the story. So they have given us freedom to explore, to take risks, to, um, you know, anything that we think we can create visually, they support us. So yes. And, and, and Ray and Caitlin, they make such a beautiful couple. They have such a beautiful relationship on set and on cameras that is really simple. Right. Um, in quantum leap, we use a lot of um, tight close-ups, which I think tell the emotion a lot. They make everything feel together. Kind of, they make you part of it. So it's really easy with them actually, but yes, all of our experiences, like, the beauty of Quantum Leap, I think we make a feature every episode. You go from the Western to a boxing to Philadelphia. So it's just, when do you have a, a chance to do something like that on a show, right? You should a set, you should a world, a different world, every episode. And it's such a beauty. So yes, all your experiences and, and all the things you've done at a certain point, come back to 
um, expressing yourself. You are an artist and you have a way of expressing. So it's all these experiences that you have gained throughout the years that are reflected in every frame. I noticed that freedom. Uh, there was uh, some Dutch angles in in uh, the uh, Quantum Leap, and you don't normally see that on network television. Uh, are there things that uh, you could point out to people that are viewers uh, that you put in that you would normally not get to, and maybe things that you're looking forward to doing in future episodes? Yeah. So I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the first. Um, the first. Obviously, you guys saw the first episode, but the first time he mm-hmm. leaves, there's a. 180 move right of the camera and he goes around that was something that i i mean when i interviewed on the job they told me we want to create this signature move to tell the audience that he's about to leap and in my mind was something like that like i proposed we did it for that we did it for the end of 101 but they cut it Mm -hmm. um but that was something for example that it like you wouldn't do it right that kind of you know that movement is kind of you know, not normal, right? But I thought that his world's about to change. We're about to go 180 into some a different story. So that was my way of kind of like wanting to express with the camera that he was about to transition into another, another uh, time period. But at the end, they liked it at the beginning, but the creators of the show thought that when he leaves, it's like a very intimate moment with Addison. So the whole going around it, it was going to distract too much from the emotion. So we don't do it anymore. But I feel really proud because I think it worked on that mm-hmm. first episode when we saw it, you know, in the in the um, accelerator room. Um, and about the Dutch angles, we can't do them that much. They don't like us to do it that much. Mm-hmm. But say, for example, mm-hmm. in the boxing episode, I think it mm-hmm. was great because they were just finding out that Ben wasn't who he, who everybody thought he was. He had been lying, right? So... Mm-hmm. We wanted it to, with Mark as the director, we wanted to dutch the angle to show that something was off. So, right, because they were just finding out, right? He he had been meeting with Janice and he didn't tell Caitlin that he was going to go. He went to a conference, but he wasn't. So we wanted to kind of like, with nobody knowing, because nobody's going to think that's why we do it. But in our language, right, it means that something is off. That is not what you mm-hmm. think or that he can be crooked. So it's a subtle way of kind of, supporting the story but to tell you the truth they don't like it that much for us to, to touch the frame okay. we have to find a strong mm-hmm. reasons to do it but mm-hmm. you know we do big wides and then super tights we do things with diopters the eye shot is very special because mm-hmm. there's a quantum leap thing so we're trying to it's a first season so we're all trying to find the language and the visual part that it's going to make the show stand out and be its own um, language visually, you know, talking. Well, to, to that end, can you walk our listeners through what a typical production is like for, say, a script? I think it'd be very interesting to hear from when you get the script in your hand, what your process is to where we see those those final episodes and those angles and those choices. Yes, yeah, so it's the most beautiful process. So we usually, even before, get an outline not a script, but an outline. So we kind of like, I know what I'm doing next, right? So I just read, you know, it's like a treatment. And then we'll get the first script. And then, so when I'm prepping, the other DP is shooting. So in those eight days, we read the script, location goes and find the locations. And then I meet with the director and we start all these meetings, wardrobe meetings, uh, makeup, stunts, special effects, um, BFX, like all these meetings. 
and we start reading and going through the script many, many times, prepping for what we need to do. Uh, for the Western, we will go every day to the lot to see the little town, what ways we were going to look, how much um, sand we needed to put on, you know, you know, on the on the streets, right? Because it was cement, and we need to put the the sand. I don't know the mm. how do you say soil? Um, dirt, yeah. The dirt. You know, what ways were mm-hmm. we looking? Do we need BFX to add a mountain? Do we need to do so? Everybody, every department starts working on every single thing. Are they bring a director, and that director has a vision? Um, so we start following uh, what he or she wants, right? And how that person wants to tell the story. So we start with a bunch of meetings. We start going to location scouts, spending the time shot listing. And once those days, we, you know, once we kind of somehow ready, we have a big tech scout with everything, everybody. So we go to every location where everything is going to take place. We talk about the scene. The director says, this is what I'm going to do here. We're going to look this way. And I want this and this to happen. And then she or she will explain everything. And then we all take notes. All the department takes notes. We really narrow down what we're doing so everybody can take action over it. Um, Then we do a production meeting, which is the final meeting before we start shooting, where we talk about every single aspect that we have to have in mind, uh, special equipment, um, days for the actors, special makeup, um, if we can have an actor one day or the other, if we need to finish the day before, or if we're going to pack the trucks after, like all these very specific things. So everybody knows what's going to happen the first day we get on set. Um, And then when we get on set, we usually have uh, like a 14-hour maximum day we can't pass from starting to work anybody we can't work past the 14 hours so we really have to do it very quick because it ended up being like you can shoot around 10 10 and a half hours 11 the most so it's a lot of pages Mm -hmm. for a little bit of time and um we execute right like i know that when we have the eye shot i need to order this special lens and i need this special piece of equipment so that's it. Every day we go, we do every scene, we hustle up, and then we do the work, and that's the, the what you guys see. How long is that preparation time uh, until that final production meeting before you start shooting with the actors and, and everything? Because it seems like a monumental undertaking. I think it's crazy. It's eight days, right? The most, right? So sometimes seven, depending, because the director has like a seven-day prep. And and he's crazy because we when we have to first find a location, and then and then keep going to see if it works. And if we didn't find it, it's not the right one. Then look for another one. Sometimes it takes so long that we really start our prep. I don't know five days before, so we all gotta really really work a lot. So it's eight days. While the other group shoots the eight days that they have for the episode, we're prepping. So I start shooting on Thursday. So I have three more days to finish our prep and get ready for what we're doing next. So is that why it seems like you're alternating with Christopher? Yes, Chris. Yes. Um, do, do you guys collaborate? Uh, so you have like an overall cohesive look or, or do, you, do you try to, or does the director control that more than the director of photography keeping the, how does that work? No. And this is the thing about TV shows, right? Like we, mm-hmm. the directors come and go. We have a producing director that oversees the whole season, but in terms of directors, they come for an episode and then they go and they don't come back. So it's up to us, my responsibility, to keep the visual continuity of the show episode 
an episode, no matter what director comes in. Like we're here to make a vision come true for whoever comes and that's the beauty of it. But within the quantum leap visual guidelines or, or, or world that we have created, how can I make his vision or her vision come through in our language? Um, so with Chris, um, Chris Christopher Dari, um, we do collaborate. I mean, I shot the pilot. I guess Quantum Leap is just the headquarters is our, and the loft is our common set. The rest, everybody does a different thing so we can be creative and, and do whatever we want in a way. But we do have um, a language that we always want to maintain. We want to have a stylized, you know, when we go to the time period, even though it, we wanted it to, we don't want it to look like the 70s or the 80s, like, like everybody's used to seeing that, a little bit brighter, kind of flatter looks. We want to stylize those looks and give you guys uh, 70s, but in our own kind of more modern and stylized visual way. So, um, I, like say, I am the first DP, I shot the pilot, like the, the Philadelphia one. So I shot first the, the, the headquarters and I work on it and then I establish the look. But we usually collaborate. So like, yeah, the, the sets that we share, we collaborate together, but usually is the main DP who sets the look and then we kind of follow. And in this case, I was very lucky. I was given that opportunity is huge to establish the look of a show is, is, is big. It's a blessing. It's the best experience because now forever and always, Quantum Leap, no matter how many seasons it's going to go, in a way, it's going to keep that look that you, that we set up in this first um, season or in the first episode. For uh, episode six coming up, the, the original pilot, uh, who was the director, uh, director of photography on that one? The, the, one in, um, the one that was shot in Vancouver was Jimmy Lin Linsley. Linsley? I can say right, but he's an AC. He's very amazing cinematographer. And then Christopher Daddy, we shot a couple of um, pieces. I didn't get to reshoot the earthquake, but okay. um, that that was my next question. How how did the reshoots uh, reshoots work with that? Did they bring in the same people or no uh, for like to shoot it? No, we no. Christopher did it, um, and it, it was only you know some pieces of it they used. Some of the, uh, but obviously the headquarters had to be reshot and some of the story mm -hmm. had advanced instead of being mm -hmm. in one is, is the sixth episode. So, but you know, that's part of your skill as a cinematographer to be able to match what was done before and, um, you know, and then continue and again, give it a little bit more of a, uh, cohesive look to what we're doing now. Cause the, if, if the, the original pilot looks very different than what we're doing right now. One of the questions I had um, going back to establishing the look of, say, back at the project, um, which is more of a, a high tech um, with um, it seems like it's got a lot of um, shadowing and it's very moody atmosphere back at, at the project. Did you do that purposely to contrast with the leap settings to give that its own flavor? Because it seems like you're going from sometimes a very dark and moody set to this big, bright Western set, say in Salvation or Bust or 
um, something that was maybe equally as as moody, but in a much different way in the somebody up there likes Ben. I thought that that episode was particularly good. I loved the gym scenes that you had when he was training with Addison. Um, those those are some beautiful shots, and it's how do you do it where they all look different, but it all seems to come together as one show? Yeah. So. Um, in regards to the headquarters or in the, um, the headquarters, there was a note from the network and they wanted it to not have it blue sci-fi, like all those procedural shows. And like, if you see a sci-fi, if you see a police, if you see some a procedural show, everybody has a headquarter. And most of the time they're on the cyan bluish tones, very cold with the green and the blues. So that was one of like the requests from uh, the studio. We want a warmer uh, headquarters. We don't want blue. So then that was part of like you start starting how to make this beautiful, um, especially because the set, it does kind of ask for blue, you know, because all the lights and, you know, the computers and all that has like a more of like a, yeah, like a cyan bluish kind of like sci-fi look. But how can you make it look, again, you're here to execute a vision. So how can you make their vision come through? So then we start, you know, the first day that we opened that set was really nervous. You know, Martin was with us. I mean, it took us a little bit of time when we first lit the first scene, trying to find that color that they wanted it. And we do a moody because in this case, um, you know, the headquarters is very underground. I don't know if you guys seen the rocks that the set has. So there's no sunlight. There's nothing. We're very, very underground. Um, so kind of like to speak that by where you don't know if it's day or night. It just is. And then we wanted to highlight um, kind of like all the different colors and the, and the um, you know, the difference between the warms and the blues and magic stuff is on the top. Like make it moody because it's, you know, it's in a way it's kind of like a research place where everything, a lot of things happen sometimes. Most of the time they're in, in trouble and issues. They're trying to figure out how to help Ben. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an experiment kind of like environment where everybody loves it so much. It feels home to them, but it has its own character, right? Siggy is its own. It's like our love, right? Siggy is Siggy. So we wanted to give that a spe- special, you know, look. We didn't want it to look like all the shows. We wanted to make it really special and different. And then when we shoot from episode to episode, um, at least my process is... I try to kind of think about a color that I want to give that age. Like for me, Philadelphia was, you know, the streets of Philadelphia felt a little bit of with a greener tone, a little bit more greedy and raw and kind of harsh because they were, you know, they were robbing. And so I start with that and I start looking for a vision and colors and try to, you know, depending on the sets we choose. But we do have, um, say for in Vegas, I wanted it warm and feel yellow and the heat and feel like, you know, like the warm light. And then for um, the Western Salvation, I wanted, you guys are going to see, it's going to have a more, more, a more sepia tone, a little bit desaturated. Mm-hmm. I research a lot about the Western and, you know, all that stuff. So I always start my process with what characteristic I can give to that period, right? Um, and then from then I take inspiration with photographs, with music, with stories, with experiences. And then as long as I, we have like a visual guide. They love big whites all the time. They like a string close-ups. 
they love to swingle, move the camera around, right? Between person and person. So as long as I do that, and I give the basis of what we said quantum leap is going to be, then I can go ahead and create around it. And they love that. They love that we take risk um, with the um, boxing ring. If you see, I research in the in the seventies, right? No, in the eighties. That was the eighties, right? I forget. Um, that, that was the seventies leap. Seventies uh, leap, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the seventies, the boxing rings didn't have color. Everything was tungsten. So I did use the proper lights, the parkans, those. Those lights that I use, they did exist in the um, 70s. But what I added that was different is the color. Because in my mind was like, I don't want this to feel so like like blonde. Like, I don't know how to say that word, like just simple and normal. I wanted to get that kind of magic and that kind of like Simon and it should feel like a show, right? It's his big moment. So I took the liberty and I asked, and he always asked permission for all these things like the risk you're going to take it, see if everybody's okay. I said, I want to put color on that ring. I don't want it to do, to be boring or just normal. I wanted to give it a little bit of spice and they were really, really supportive with that. But see, that is not from the seventies, but we took the liberty to do it. And I hope that nobody care or not care, but minded just because it does look really pretty. Um, and things like that, you know, we, in Salvation, in the Western, uh, the big whites, the overhead with the shadows. Like, we, as you guys are going to see, there's a lot of shadows, right? When you see the shadow of the cowboy and all this. Like, we can do anything. That's the beauty of this show. They support us and they let us take risks. The more we do, the better. And hopefully they always pay off. You know, sometimes you take risks, they don't work. But uh, I think we've been lucky so far. I hope that everybody's enjoying what we're doing visually. It's a beautiful show. It really is. And uh, I, I had to look up tonight who, who did what episode. So you guys are really in sync on the look of uh, Quantum Leap. Uh, being one of the first people to establish looks of Quantum Leap, do you get to pick like uh, lenses, cameras, what the process is going to be? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So when you interview for, for a show, especially for a first season, um, you know, you always kind of want to do like a lookbook. So when I first was approached to do this interview, I, was, I wasn't I was shown the pilot. I was just given uh, the Philadelphia script. And then you read it and then you kind of say, okay, this is what I would do. And then I start doing like what visually thought it was going to be nice. So what um, in this case, I proposed to shoot anamorphic lenses for the headquarters and the current time, 2022, and then to use a spherical lenses, which are, you know, the normal lenses, but a little bit older lenses to give that vintage look. And um, and then I propose that other stuff, right? Things with the reflections, colors, and then shots, you know. And then when they gave me the job, then we start, okay, what camera you want to use? Because it took a little bit longer to hire the second DP, in this case. So we weren't able to collaborate from the beginning. He kind of came in when I was already kind of starting to shoot the pilot. So by then I had to choose the camera, the lenses, the crew, you know, I, this is also very beautiful. When I got to work on the headquarters where the stages were empty. So from construction, choosing where the lights are going to be, what kind of lights, um, what we needed, not just what was going to see on camera, but what, how we light them, right? Because we need to hang lights so everywhere. So that is such a, same thing with the loft. It's such a beautiful process to 
be able to design the lighting for, for the sets. And this is all you, right? With your gaffer and your key grip. And we all work great together to make sure that we have everything that is needed to be able to shoot these sets constantly. And that we can do night, that we can do day. You know, like in the loft, we needed to do day and night. So how do you sell the sunlight on a stage? How do you do a moonlight or nighttime on a stage? So that was really pretty that, yes, from the beginning, I was uh, very involved in choosing camera lenses, crew, design the lighting for the for the recording sets that we have. It's really exciting. It's a really beautiful process. I love the set of uh, Ben and Addison's apartment, the loft that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think of it, uh, it's like their impossible apartment. Who, who could afford that <laughs> apartment in Santa Monica? It's amazing. <laughs> One thing, though, that um, I've noticed in this show, it doesn't, it doesn't happen as often, but one of the, I guess it was a necessity of the original Quantum Leap was that um, they would occasionally blend in stock footage of different historical events with the with the stuff that you're shooting um i i've seen that you guys have used some stock footage um here and there i can only imagine that it's more difficult to sort of mix that element in now that you're shooting in such an ultra hd environment do you have to take that into consideration when you are planning shots or is that more of a post-production editing thing no, it's, it's it's actually really hard. And also because um, we have to be aware of it. And where is it going to go? Right. The hardest, if I can say, are the driving scenes, because it's very hard to find driving plates of like years ago. It's actually kind of impossible. So we used current plates. So the cities have changed. The vehicles that cross are not not all the time the same period that we're shooting. So we have to kind of like edit and find loops where we don't show too many cards and then we speed it up, we blur it so people can really see it, but because it's almost impossible to find all their footage for, say, for example, for the driving scenes, it's really, really hard. Um, and then when they use the stock footage, um, they they will find it, the editors will find it. Sometimes they ask us, like, do you guys like this? Uh, here's a couple of options. Do you want, want to choose which one? And then everybody pitches in the creator, the director, the DP. And then at the end, you know, they choose whichever they, they like the most. But the hardest is the driving scenes. It, it's We just blurry everything, make it faster because we haven't been able to find like a good plate for like on the Philadelphia thing was impossible. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh when does your uh, part in the episode end? Say, like after the filming has done and you have everything uh, filmed, do you still get to collaborate with the editor, the colorist, that kind of thing on on your shots? Yes, I don't get to participate in editing process, but I do get to color. So we okay. after they edited, and most of the time, some VFX are missing, but it's almost done. But we don't, I don't get to see, I don't mm-hmm. get to see it until it comes out, like the complete thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do work with the colorist. We have a session where we spot it. So I give my notes or I go there and I said, I like this. Can you please help me with that? Because I have to say the colorists help us so much because we go so fast. A lot of the things sometimes is it's hard to get it where you should be. So the colorist has a big, big, big job in, in this process mm-hmm. to help us out as DPs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get to to work, and then Martin has the final say on how the show should look. Mm-hmm. So we, I give my notes, and then it passes to him, and then then that's it. 
I have a silly, weird question. When I was watching Salvation or Bust, I, I was curious, uh, is Caitlin and the actress who played the senator, were they in the same room at the same time? Because I wasn't sure. Yes. <laughs> they were? Okay. They were. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, it, they were, but that was the thing, right? You see, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you noticed because they, we never did an over the shoulder. They were always mm-hmm. clean singles of them. But that was, uh, again, is a, is a visual language that we wanted to tell with the director is because she, she was always so cutting, right? She didn't let mm-hmm. the senator kind of like break into, she's yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, like very dismissive, right? She couldn't get anything from her. So we didn't want to tie them together. The senator never could uh, coexist in the same frame because she was always pulled away. So again, we always try. Sometimes it's hard because we go so fast, but whenever we kind of with the most, we're trying to always enhance the story. And again, even if nobody, but you notice it, right? But that was really good that you said, were they in the same room because they felt separated because we wanted it to convey mm-hmm. that. That's why you never okay. see them in the same frame over the shoulder because she was always mm-hmm. not. It really worked. Did They did feel like they were two separate people. Like, Oh, I'm so happy. Speaking. Actually, <laughs> I'm so happy because uh, we try really hard, but sometimes, you know, again, there's something that we know, but nobody knows. Mm, very cool. Uh, I noticed this is another silly question. I got it, only a couple of them. <laughs> no. uh, in Salvation in Salvation or Bust, there's that really uh, tense scene between Magic and the Senator, uh, where she brings uh, where he brings up uh, the death of her brother uh, ten years ago, and it's very intense. And you think Magic is gonna um, try to blackmail her, but uh, he's not. He's just offering to help, maybe. Uh, in a way to keep the project going and uh, maybe giving her some hope. Uh, and it was like a really intense scene. And then it really quickly cuts to, in the at least in the version that we saw, it cuts to them walking out of the room and she's a completely different character, smiling and happy. And I was wondering if there was a scene that was written or filmed in between those two scenes because it just seemed like a change of uh, uh, their personality change of their emotions no that was the way it was written what i feel is that you know how magic tells her that she might be able to help with her brother Mm -hmm. right so i guess Mm -hmm. he gave you like false hopes right and i guess that's why he changed and backed off because if she can change that of course you will do anything to save your brother so maybe that's why um, I mean, I guess that would be more for Silas as a director, the way he right, kind of right, like right. play it in. But I can imagine there was mostly because of that, because she has the hope that if she keeps quiet, maybe they can go back and save his brother. So I guess it would just be very nice, you know, like mm-hmm. go and, you know, if he's going to help me, I'll do anything. Since we're talking about back at the headquarters, uh, the original Quantum Leap had a very distinct look as well for their headquarters uh, in New Mexico with all of the bright primary colors. And now that we've introduced more elements from the Legacy series with the hand link and Janice being in the system, you might not be able to answer this. You might not even know. But do you think that as this series progresses and Ziggy becomes more of a presence and hopefully Deborah comes back and reprises the role that the new control room will take on some of the aspects of the old control room and maybe adopt some of the visual language that uh, they no longer have? You know, actually, I, I do not know. Like you said, I wouldn't be able to answer that. But it's good that you bring it to 
our attention because if that's something, say, for example, that we could start, like if it does happen, how beautiful it could be that maybe we can find a middle point or that we can go towards that if that's something that is going to go. Maybe, I mean, I really don't. The fact is that we know as much as you guys know. So funny because we're like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Or when we, you guys are going to see, but like there's a lot of stuff that we find as we go as well. It's so exciting because you're like, but um, but it's nice to know that now that you mentioned it, that maybe if it does happen, that's something that maybe now that I know, maybe we can try to find a middle. Would you like it to be like that? Like, would you like I, to see me personally? Rainbow yes, lights. I, also think I, I, I speak for um, many of the fans who okay. love the old aesthetic of back at the project, and I I can't imagine that it would hurt. Uh, but you don't answer <laughs> to me, so <laughs> no. And, and it's, <laughs> No, but no, I don't. But it's but again, maybe there is a point where we can fu- fusion both and then have a little bit of a newer, more modern take mm-hmm. on it. But that mm-hmm. can honor or bring back that that look in a certain different way. But so far, I don't know to tell you the truth. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've never tried to copy exactly how it looked before because we wanted to make it. We wanted it to honor with everything that we have. We wanted to honor a quantum leap, the original one. Um, but we also wanted it to make sure that uh, we could also make it our own and special and give everybody like a new, not a new beginning, but a continuation that was a little bit um, like 30 years later, right? So, so kind of like honor what it was and taking it in new so we can make it special again or make it um, not what it was, but a little bit like a new take on something that it was uh, very successful. Could, could we talk a little bit about Resident Alien? That's a show that both Chris and I watch and we enjoy that. <laughs> What's it like to work on that show? How is it different than working on Quantum Leap? What's it like to work with Robert Duncan McNeil and Alan Tudyk? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Look, you know, I always say every show is different. Resident Alien has my heart. It was the most amazing experience. We shoot it in Vancouver. So that makes it already very unique because we, you know, have, um, you go to a a different country, right? Uh, Robbie is amazing. Robbie is, is a producing director. So he oversees all the directors and the whole season. And he's a team player. He's always there for the creative. He's always there for telling the story. The beauty of uh, Resident Alien is that it is a comedy, but it has elements of sci-fi, horror, drama. So we kind of always think, okay, this moment, is it comedy? Is it drama? Is it sci-fi? And then we take it from there. So we make the the, the cinematography based on those little moments. Um, I think the set, I mean, the actors... I have joy to work with. Uh, Alan is a gentleman. Um, everybody. I mean, I have to say, um, sometimes it's hard because, again, Vancouver, it always rains. And, you know, we have to shoot a lot outside. And his cabin is, is like, far away and it's cold. We shot it in the winter. I mean, but it is all so worth it. The creator of the show, Chris Sheridan, has the biggest heart. I don't think... There's somebody like him in this industry. He cares for us. He cares for the the how the show and and how good the show is, but he cares for us 
that work for the show. He cares for his actors, but he cares for his crew. He's there every single day. He never misses a day on set. He's always paying attention to everything, every single detail. So between Chris and Robbie, I think that's why it's so magical is because um, they are persons before they're filmmakers. And he shows in every single aspect. We're giving, again, a lot of freedom and a lot of, um, you know, we can express a lot of stuff. They're supportive and, you know, the actors are just out of this world. Yeah. When we see shots in the show of Alan in the full makeup uh, as Alien Harry, is is that a full prosthesis or is that something that's done with CGI after the fact or is it a half and half? Like, how, how do you guys pull off those shots? It's it's a it's um it has BFX, but he, Alan is the best. He goes into makeup for a lot lots of hours, and he gets from the chest up. So he has this kind of like body with all these, and then the head is a mask, and they put you know the eyes and the the teeth, um, and then what they do in post is they do the uh, blinking because he ca- that cannot happen in real life. So they do the blinking and a little bit of enhancing the features, but it's all him, you know. And then when you see the full alien, so have is, you know, sometimes we shoot it all by, you know, it's just BFX. So they put the whole alien in, but sometimes they, you know, do bottom, you know, because we don't have, they have some legs and Mm -hmm. um, the hands, of course. And so, so depending on what it is, sometimes we can do with Alan. When we do Alan, we have to put him in boxes to make him more than six feet tall, right? Mm -hmm. Dating is huge. So that's a whole process because sometimes we got to create this whole catwalk for him so he can do the scene and, you know, we need, you know, he needs to feel taller. So um, I admire him for that. It it takes a lot of patience, you know, the whole day on that is hard. And also because, you know, like Max, the the kid, can see him as an alien, but mm. the rest can't. So sometimes when we have scenes with Max and other other talent, then we have to reshoot it twice. We have to shoot it with him, normal, because the shots from the other people to him are as hairy. But when we have from Max to him, it has to be as an alien. So he has to, we have to shoot it twice, and he has to go into makeup, then take it out, or the next day he'll put it on. I mean, it's a whole <laughs> process. It's really cool, actually. Yeah, really cool. Uh, bringing it back to Quantum Leap, how did you how did you get the job uh, for Quantum Leap? How did you get involved? How did how did they bring you on? Um, I'm very grateful to my agent. I think that he got you know he got the um the 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 line producer reach out to him saying that they needed a cinematographer. They were looking for you know the cinematographer, so he got me the interview. And again, um. I think I was very lucky because, again, to do the pilot and the first season of a show is such a privilege. Not everybody has that. Shooting pilots and and being that DP is it's very exclusive. So I feel super blessed because, you know, I am in my way up. You know, I don't have the years of experience that a lot of cinematographers have. I'm just going up as we as we go, right? So I feel that they gave me a huge opportunity. I'm very grateful to Martin, to Steven, to Brian, you know, even to Deborah that really believes in me. She is so sweet. Um, 
So I am really grateful to them for giving me such a big responsibility. And also because, you know, again, you guys love this show. So how do you kind of deliver to something that was so beautiful and successful? It's very nerve-wracking. So the responsibility, I mean, sometimes I don't sleep, right? The first day that I went to set, I was like, I need to deliver. I need to show up. This is the moment, right? If I have a chance, this is it. If I'm going to do something as a cinematographer, this is the moment. So sometimes it's hard because the responsibility is really big and to keep you all happy. You know, I guess if you guys knew how hard we're trying and how hard we're working to make it happen and to make it um, not justice, but to honor the other series and have everybody kind of fall in love with this one. Oh, you have an idea how much work it takes place. And how hard we work to um, give our best to this series. Because we know the responsibility that we have. Now that you guys have the news that you've been picked up for a full season, that gives you a little bit of security moving forward. Um, does that give you more latitude or more freedom to think bigger? To think of um, doing shows that maybe you weren't going to be doing because you didn't know if you were going to be around for as long? Um, does it give you a broader scope, a broader palette to work with? It, yes. I mean, uh, again, every every episode you get to shoot, every season you get to do is... is um, if I understood correct, the question was more like, would this give me, would this, is the question about for the future or for the show itself with I the think, rest I of think the episode? I think it's both. So I think now that you have a certain measure of security in the fact that you have uh, up to 18 episodes, mm -hmm. do you think that now you can maybe do bigger, better, take more chances, expand the visual language beyond what has been established for the network, what they might think is safe? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yes, actually, you know, it's so it's so pretty because the day after we um got picked up, the showrunner Martin calls me and he's like, Anna, I just wanted to say thank you and we feel very lucky that you're here. And he was like, keep taking risks, keep doing, you know, keep doing what you're doing, just keep going, right? So that that is really cool because um, yes, I guess with the uh, the pilot that was shot at the beginning that didn't work out we were running a risk again, right. Of maybe not being what everybody thought it was going to be or failing. So in my mind, we kind of started with a little bit of fear that this wasn't going to work out, that it was not, it was not going to be enough, that we were not going to be received in a good way. And we still have a lot to prove. I know that everybody still thinks a lot of stuff about the show and it's not the same. And I know it is, but, um, at the same time, it's nice to know that maybe they're giving us a little bit more trust and that maybe we're getting to your hearts a little bit more. You know, it's always like that. We, we're we going to work hard until we can win your guys' heart. You know, you. we're going to keep trying every day, every episode <laughs> um, to to try to, um, yeah, make everybody fall in love with the show. I mean, Ray is amazing. You know, Kaylin, I mean, I think it's, I think, we have a good, good story, good product, good, everybody, good people. Um, as, as a fan of the show, uh, I'd like to say thank you. It's, it's a very beautiful show. And uh, there's a lot of times when I'm watching it that I just go, oh, that's gorgeous. Like, mm -hmm. and uh, you're a big part of that. And I really appreciate uh, your hard work on the show. I thank you. I swear to God. I mean, for reals, like we try hard. We, you know, now with so much 
content and, and so many shows that are so cool and beautiful. And like, they're like legit, you know, we, we're trying to make part of that group. We're trying to step away from the normal network TV and give you guys the, the emotional part of what it was with this new take and make it like a very um, beautiful show that um, is emotional. Cause that's very important to us. The emotion, the emotion part of it, but that it's also nice to watch. And then you, yes, you can stop and say, Oh, I love that shot. Oh, they touched the end <laughs> or, Oh, look, it's not a, it's not a blue headquarters or mm -hmm. a rainbow one, you know, um, mm -hmm. but it looks different, you know? So it's mm -hmm. good that, you know, but we can at least, have those reactions so far. Thank you so much. I know. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for keep trying because um, it's been so crazy. You have no idea. Mm. Like, <laughs> oof, it's like run, 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 run. And a lot of things happen, right? You know, you prep so much and things go the other way. So we're always constantly you know, reassessing, re you know, even when you prep an episode and then you show up the first day and something happens, right? So It is a lot of work. So sometimes woo, you get so busy that. So thank you so much for reaching out again. And I can't thank you enough for your time and for giving me this opportunity. It means a lot. It meant a lot to us. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you.